Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Brian and Bucks, your two regular hosts are back on the mic and we are thrilled to be back to normal game weeks. How you doing, Brian? Bucks, I really had some envy of you and FPL Black Wolf last week. I missed my sounding board and I obviously fucked up my transfers last week. So it feels good to be back for this week as we preview game week 24. We're back, baby, and it's going to be a normal game week for the first time in what feels like a long time and what could be a very long time to come. So let's get into how we both scored in double game week 23, and we should just quickly, let's give an extra thank you. Let's give an extra shout out to thank Dan FPL Blackwolf for guest starring on our pod for the second time this season. We would love some more engagement from some of our loyal listeners and followers on Twitter to get involved in the podcast to potentially get your first cameo appearance on the FPL Blues podcast. That's right, Bucks. We would gladly welcome some other members of the community. Come on for that famous one-pointer. Maybe come on in the 87th minute as a sub and get some appearance points. Love it. All right. Double game week 23. Brian, start us out. We uh, we had a pretty strong game week, despite some uh, not too great performances OR-wise. I mean, look, I had fun. It was a fun double game week watching, especially today. We're potting on Wednesday after the City and Arsenal match, which was a 3-1 victory for City away. So they are now top of the table. And Bucks, I ended up with 74 points after a hit. Small red arrow. Can't complain too much other than my late night shenanigans on Friday where I had a couple of drinks late night, just took out Shaw and put in Dunk, which ended up being a 10 point difference in my game week score. So that one really, really hurt right in the gonads. Other than that, happy to see Sokka, my guy, return some big points this week, as well as KDB and Holland leading the way. Defense was very abysmal. I got four twos back there, which I think was quite common as a lot of people started the likes of Keppa and Trips and a few others. So it is what it is, ready to move forward and uh, prepare for double game week 25. What about you, man? I'm also on 74 points after a minus four hit. Uh, small red arrow, but I've been climbing the ranks really nicely. So I, this feels like just a blip I'm down about 25,000 spots to 240,000 overall but really happy with how the last couple of game weeks have gone. And even though the hits didn't come off as big as I hoped, bring in KDB, Mares, and Niketia, all of them get at least one return. So I'm happy about that. I can't help but uh, lament the fact that Almiron finally comes good, as does Tony, uh, two players I took out who get returns. But KDB and Mares both outscored the two of them. So overall, looking pretty. I was plus nine on those transfer moves. Yeah, man, I think I think you nailed this week, you know, play the double, bring in the best double game week players. And those are the attackers. We see very few clean sheets across the board as both City and Arsenal get no clean sheets, which is uh, surprising to see in a double game week. So the fact that you punted on KDB and Mares taking that minus four really paid off and kept you, you know, treading water this game week with the guy on the bench, that fucking butcher Mr. Shaw on your bench as well. That one hurts for sure. Yeah. So that was the one 50 50 call I had in my team. I went Sven Botman who ends up with one point and I'm staring Luke Shaw's 12 pointer in my bench. Ah, that one really hurts. That's a huge swing. And that would have actually brought me 
I checked it. It would have brought me right up to touching the top 100K if I got that call right. So these are the small swings in FPL that turn, you know, what could be a mediocre season into the stuff of legends. And it really can happen as quick as one game week. Uh, We're not going to mention him otherwise on this podcast, but our music star, Eamon at Holy Pinto, he has Rico Lewis in his team. And, you know, Rico is warming up on the sideline. Looks like he could come on for a quick extra time cameo one pointer. And he doesn't make the cut. Game goes final against Arsenal. So he gets the zero pointer out of his team. A huge 12 pointer coming off the bench in the form of Luke Shaw. And now all of a sudden he's back to top of the kind of podcast contributor list. One point ahead of me. So it's really fine margins in the (laughs) FPL game. Often it's a lot of luck, but it's a long season. We're still only in game week 24. So we have to keep this level up and really push it even another step if we're going to end up in those kind of five-digit rankings, the hallowed ground where we both want to be. Yeah, that that variance was definitely on the right side for the double game week hating Eamon Salah, but good for him. He got the points. Let's uh, let's actually talk about the average this week, which was 68 and move into the manager of the game week in the FPL Blues podcast league. Solanke leg, a.k.a. Mark Croman Rasmussen with 94 points. He goes for the differential captain with Saka. Brilliant score. 94. That's definitely a huge green arrow this week. So, Bucks, why don't we tell listeners who else we have in the top four? Okay, starting off in first place still is Matthias Satre. With Hollandaise Sauce, he captained Holland. He ends up on 88 points. Really strong score. In second place is Wu-Tang Huang, Amar Solanke. He ends up with 76 points, topping both the managers once again. He's on 1,500 points. Spain without the S, Connor Hunt. He's fallen back to earth just a little bit, but still looking really strong in third place with 64 points. He's on 1,497 and rounding out the top four, another Sokka captainer, hot hand homies, Duke Ang Wang with 91 points. Holy cannoli. Love to see these 90 scores. They are on 1492. So the big story of our FPL Blues podcast league is that there are a lot of strong competitors and it is fierce to even end up on the first page of the top of our FPL pod mini league because some of the top scores are inside the top 25K. Yeah, well done. Keep making us look better than the hosts of this podcast at the moment. We appreciate that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the story of Double Game Week 23. All right, we're back. Let's get into the storylines of double game week 23. If you bet any of these matches to end in a 1-1 draw, you would be a very rich man or woman. We had four matches all draw at 1-1, and some of them were very controversial. I think starting with the West Ham versus Chelsea, what did you see here in this 1-1 draw? Uh, Absurd levels of VAR negligence here as a clear handball save by Thomas Suchek on a Connor Gallagher shot goes left begging. You know, West Ham get a bad luck break in the reverse fixture where Chelsea get the 2-1 win and 
West Ham had the tying goal as well as the winning goal in the back of the net, only to see both of them chalked off for very questionable and soft calls. Here at the Hammers, though, Chelsea were the better team. They really should have had the game won uh, after that penalty kick, but it was left begging. 22nd call, and it was quickly waved off, whereas when West Ham had a very obvious offsides with two players well offsides, that was a review for almost five and a half minutes. So uh, the agenda is against us Blues, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it'd be better for us to score more than one goal in one of these matches with the 500 million pounds that we've spent in the last uh, window or so. So, you know, we're, we're still waiting for our team to click and hopefully the likes of Mudrik and Zhao will continue to show their flashes of brilliance. Zhao gets his first goal. He's actually on the watch list and something we'll talk about later, but he's looking pretty classy and I'm hoping that he continues to start for the Blues. Yeah, and I think from an FPL perspective, the most important thing from this match was that Reese James starts and gets the full 90 minutes. And since it's Wednesday, we can look into the future here and tell you that he also played the full 90 in the UCL match against Dortmund. So that's really, really promising and exciting news for potential FPL managers looking for quality defensive backups or rotation to come in the upcoming game weeks. Yeah, it might be worth doubling up on Chelsea's defense. They are very stout at the moment, and that baddie, baddie shield seems to be like a great fit next to Thiago Silva. So it could be a route into a little bit of a differential for your FPL side. Keeping the draws at 1-1 and the controversy going is Brighton traveling to Crystal Palace. They draw 1-1, but... VAR comes out with an apology after the fact because Estupion had an excellent goal and it was ruled off for a very questionable mislabeled offsides line. I don't know. The Premier League was on their full fuck around and find out this game week. <laughs> yeah, and Stupinion also on the watch list. We'll talk a bit later. He ends up with an assist in this one. So he could have had a mega, mega haul for the Brighton Seagulls. And then lastly, let's talk about Arsenal versus Brentford because Arteta wants the media to talk about this match and how they're owed three points. Bucks, we're not necessarily the media, but we have uh, opinions of our own. So what do you think about this call here? Hey, we're big podcasts, that's for sure. We're the media, we count. Uh, They're owed two points for sure because that Brentford goal had at least three different infractions. Uh, They had a player standing clear off sides. Then there was a shove in the back where Gabriel just gets tossed to the ground and then another off sides. But you know what? Who cares? Why? Why do a job when you're put in the VAR booth when you could be heating up a leftovers from Nan uh, while the game is going on? You know, no worries, Lee Mason. Do you, man? Yeah, I feel like he overcooked his... uh ham and cheese hot pocket in the microwave and then came back and just didn't know what the bleep was going on. So, uh, you know, very, very unfortunate for Arsenal there. And especially if you're an owner of a defender from Arsenal this double game week. Yeah, that was super brutal. And I should say that uh, Saka and Tony get the goals in this match. So Tony gets nine points. Saka gets a six pointer, but Hard done for the Arsenal defense. I think they were excellent. 90% of this game, let's say 89% of this game, 89 out of the 90 minutes, there was a minute or two of a wobble, and that's when Brentford pipped a goal. So, uh, listen, they hit the bar a couple times, so the 1-1 scoreline is actually pretty flattering, but 
when you see this controversial goal call, uh, you kind of forget about all the half chances that Brentford missed beforehand because, uh, yeah, uh, Arsenal really should have gotten all three points. Look, Tony is always in and around it. He scampers off to another FPL return. I know you took him out of your squad this week, but he will be a very popular target for double game week 27 when they have a favorable double game week. So hopefully he's not in jail by then and is still playing in the Premier League. Yep. Keeping it moving. Southampton in the news once again. They sack their manager, Nathan Jackass Jones. After going up 1-0, they are up against 10-man Wolves only to give it back and then some to take that L in a big way. And Nathan Jones has no one but himself and his sorry managerial experience at Luton Town to blame for the shambles that the Saints are in right now because they are searching for a manager and they are definitely searching for points any way they can get them because they are dead last in the Premier League. Yeah, look, I think you and I have both talked about Ralph Hassenhutl in the past, but he did a magnificent job for the Saints over a number of years, especially in a team that does not invest heavily at all. So it was going to be a real challenge for whoever came in, and Nathan Jones gets the quick axe in this one. Jesse March rumored to potentially come in, but there are kind of disputes over contract negotiations, so I think that's off at the moment, but we'll see how it plays out. I would expect them to probably get relegated this season unless a miracle happens. Let's just both agree. We both were huge Hassenhutl guys. And I think that the fact that the Marsh deal seems to be off is the best news that's come out for Southampton fans all season. Because if he got hired, the style of play that he likes to implement is not a strategy, which is good for just squeaking points out, grinding them, getting a 1-1, a 0-0 draw. That's what you need to rise rank and just be consistently grabbing points to stay up in a relegation battle. I don't see it happening with Marsh, and I think they might be too far adrift uh, based on what it's going to take to turn the season around at Southampton for even a new manager to come in and save the day. So uh, concerning times ahead for sure for Saints. Yeah, I'm fine with them getting booted out of the prem, and then hopefully we'll have somebody like JWP crop up on a different team where he can actually show off his uh, talents elsewhere. So let's talk about the Spurs defensive disaster. So Lloris gets an injury. He's out for four to six weeks, I think, and in comes Fraser Forster, the uh I don't know what, what what's his nickname bucks he's kind of a huge mountain of a man but he's not a very good goalkeeper and they look absolutely miserable as Leicester hangs four goals on them and that's also a total of eight goals in two matches for Leicester so they're coming back into their attacking form there yeah Shrek looked terrible in that he was letting oh, Shrek, that's the word I was looking for yeah he was super lost he had no clue what he was doing let alone where he was and yeah, that, that really is symbolic of what Spurs season have been like because they've had some highs and for the most part, they just can't get out of their own way. And between Eric Dyer tripping over himself, turning himself around and the Loris injury, I mean, this season is going nowhere fast for Spurs. And it's very concerning if you are a fan of this team because Sun is sputtering, Bentoncourt not looking great, and Richarlison, the $60 million man, has absolutely donut level goals this season it's crazy to think about he's the number nine for the brazil men's national team and he has zero goals for tottenham hotspur what a waste 
Yeah, I mean, Benson Kerr is injured. That's actually a huge miss. So without him in the middle helping out next to Hoiberg was a detriment to their midfield. And then when we look at Sun, he just is having a, an abysmal season, like you said. So I would expect at some point Conte is going to have to bench Sun again and hopefully get Richie in there to mix it up because even though he hasn't scored a goal yet, he hasn't had much playing time. And so I think at this point, nothing's really working. May as well take out Sun, give him a few games on the bench and making some cameos and see what Richie can bring. Yeah, and we should just wrap the game week by saying credit to City. They handle their business. They are the champions for a reason. They do not waste efforts uh, like this double game week 23. They come into the Etihad against Villa, smash them up and down the pitch. That game was over in the first half when they went up 2-0. And then they come to the Emirates where Arsenal have not lost all season. And you know what? They capitalized on a couple errors, but they still get the win. And that's the most important thing. 3-1. That was a huge result for the season, the storyline of the season, and for the confidence level at City. Because even though they're not playing great footy, they're top of the table, and that's all that matters. Yeah, and that segues nicely into our top performers of double game week 23 with mostly City and Arsenal players at the top. So let's talk about Saka. 15 points, one goal, one assist, three bonus takes the penalty very calmly today versus City and has a nice trickle game week where he scores points in both matches. Bucks, I think he's probably the number one player to own, especially with double game week 25 captaincy up in the air. Great shout on being top of the Arsenal players to own. Uh, shout out to Dan Blackwolf, who actually called this on our most recent podcast where he guest hosted. He is massive backing Saka and Starboy for Arsenal. He ends up with 15 points, a goal, assist, and three bonus points over the two matches. And I just think the fact that he has penalties, the fact that he is so nailed on that right side of the attack for Arsenal makes him a must-own in the game weeks to come. As a manager with Martinelli, I held the faith this game week, but I think come 25, it might be a step too far. He's got to go. And one of Odegaard and Saka, I have to find a way to break them into my team. With that being said, I was someone who removed Martinelli recently and brought in Odegaard. And, and actually, Martinelli outscored Odegaard five points to four in this double game week. So blanks galore for that midfield, unfortunately. Whereas the midfielders, the midfielders at City... They all hauled. So if you had KDB, Mars, or even took a punt on the cheap 7 million pound Grealish, you were in the points. Bucks, KDB finally comes in with a big FPL haul, and he earns 15 points with a massive performance against Arsenal in a must win for them. What did you see from KDB, and will you be holding him next week for NFO? KDB loves playing against Arsenal. He gets a goal, assist, and all three bonus today. He ends the double on 15 points total. He looked spectacular, and I think the credit to KDB was some of the runs he was making. He doesn't have really many goals this season, and that's been a concern for his FPL price-to-value uh, kind of comparison for managers like us to evaluate. But you see this confidence when he's striding forward that pass, the assist he gave to Holland for the kind of go-ahead goal, in a different season, he puts that in the back of the net himself. So 
he's just such a classy player and he really is a big game stud. He comes up huge when City need him the most. And he did that tonight against Arsenal for sure. He looked great. He's a must hold for me. Yeah, especially next week, he will play NFO and then in game week 25, then would be your chance to upgrade KDB to Mo Salah for the double game week. So firm hold this week. Elsewhere, Mares, your transfer in, one of my favorite players across the Premier League. He takes a penalty off of our captain, Holland, in the first game versus Villa, and that sends some shockwaves through the FPL community. But for you, you'd love to see that for your squad. Hey, I, I want to say that I actually predicted that. That's it was just a genius tactical FPL <laughs> manager fuckery that I was doing on my couch watching that game. Uh, he gets a goal, an assist, and an early hook in the Arsenal match, which was a little concerning, but uh, two bonus points all out. You take those 14 points and run on to the next game week with Amara's differential. He looked really good, and I think he's nailed down his spot on that right wing. Yeah, he looks great, and I don't think we're going to see Foden coming in for him on the right wing anytime soon, so he's a great option. I would rather have him over KDB, especially at four million pounds less, basically. Um, although he did get the short hook in the Arsenal match, that was more of a formation change because in this one, we actually saw Pep go with three at the back instead of um, kind of the traditional four at the back that he usually plays. So the move in for Pep in the middle of this game was a kanji to come in for Mares. That's not going to happen very often. So you should be happy if you have him in your side and just keep hoping that he trickles in these points because he's, again, the player. If you look at these two double game weeks, he had 19 points in double game week 20. He had 13 points or 14 points in this double. And so he's just one of those players that only needs one match to pop off and you love those chances in a double. One more thing on Mahrez. He is currently the top scorer since the restart in the city midfield and I think at 7.7 million, he might be essential with Forrest and Bournemouth coming up. Obviously, there is a Champions League clash in the middle of those two matches, but he seems so nailed on the right and he's so massively in form that even the sniff of him getting the odd penalty kick, uh, he almost has to be in 40% of FPL teams, uh, I think, by the end of this game week 25 kind of transfer bingo that we're gonna be about to go through. Yeah, and Holland actually will be on pens moving forward. It was a bit of a bizarre situation. I thought there might have been a bit of a knock in the first half for Holland. He was subbed at halftime, so maybe that's why he wasn't confident to take the pen because he wasn't feeling at his best. With that being said, Pep said he'll be on pens moving forward, of course, and he's their main man. So uh, next up, just quickly hit on Grealish. If anybody punts it on him, only $7 million gets a goal and an assist. It's really the most important goal versus Arsenal today. Finally, a well-taken shot from him, and he ends up with a couple of bonus points across the two games as well. So Grealish, he looks to be nailed on the left, and for good reason. He's also back to his kind of best play style where he's having defenders bounce off of him. He's generating a lot of fouls on the other team and helping City set up their set plays in the final third. So Grealish, not as sexy, but somebody who's starting to trickle points and is looking to be worth every bit of that 100 million pounds that City paid for. Totally agree. He's looking well worth the 100 million. And if they get the Premier League title this season, that will be 100 million well spent because he's been 
exceptional the last month. He's really commanded that left wing position. And Gucci and Grealish, he's so he's good. Tracking, he's tracking back on defense and making like a few key tackles as well. And that's when you know the motor on him is at a full capacity where Pep really likes to see players who are not thinking of only one side of the pitch, but putting in a full team performance. And that's something that he's clearly willing to do right now. And again, why he's ahead of anybody else on the left wing. Yeah, he's totally bought in. I really love what we're seeing from Jack Grealish, and it's good to see him on a true contender, having gotten out of Villa. But uh, listen, we'd rather see him flopping in games against uh, other top six clubs, especially our Chelsea Blues. Let's keep it moving. Next up, a player we wish we both started, Luke Shaw on 12 points. Man, this is a dirty dozen from Shaw. Yeah, that might be it. the episode title right there. That dirty dozen kills FPL managers, especially because we had the kind of recency bias of the 2-2 draw at Old Trafford in the back of our heads. And away, the new manager bounce doesn't bounce any higher, and he picks up a great assist to another Rashford goal. He is in great form. And so he really looks like somebody that I was planning to potentially remove from my team for blank game week 25 when United misses. But now I'm thinking maybe I just field nine or 10 men and continue to hold Shaw instead because, again, United's form and the way that he's linking up with the likes of Rashford and Bruno seems like a good shout the rest of the season. Really rate that. I think Shaw could be a rest of the season keeper based on United's uptick in form. And he's just such a good Premier League and FPL asset. I mean, the fact that he can play out on the wing and a center back, and he's clearly first choice. He's a he's a really good player. He doesn't look like he's a world class footballer, uh, which gives dad bods like myself hope. But he really is. He's such a talent, and he's so good for United, especially when he gets in the attacking form, which he's clearly in right now. And so is Marcus Rashford. I mean, that that cross would have been nothing if Rashford didn't put it into the back of the net. But between Bruno, Shaw, and Rashford, United have have something going. They're cooking with gas. Okay, Bucks, let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with our watch list and the matches to target in game week 24. Wow, it feels weird not to say double game week 24 in regular single game week 24. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's dive right into our watch list. It's extensive and it's a little wacky and weird this game week because it is a normal game week 24, as Brian just mentioned before our break. But we also have to be weary and start planning very significantly for bad game week 25, blank and double game week 25, which is just around the corner. And also we are just now hearing that Game week 27 is now going to be a double game week in what could be one of the worst double game weeks I've ever seen, but it's still a double game week. So I will nah, be nah, lured nah. Slow, into it. Slow your roll. We saw double game weeks last season with Burnley being the only double game week team or Watford being the only double game week team. Double game week 27 is going to have a lot more upside than you may think with Brighton and Brentford both in that double. So don't don't throw too much shade on that yet. And we have a couple episodes to sort that out ahead of us. 
Yeah, very fair, very fair. But I'm like a moth to light at nighttime when it comes to double game weeks. I can't help but bring as many doublers into my team <laughs> as I humanly can. Damn the consequences. Dennis Kaptener is the ultimate consequence, but uh, I, I'm, I love being shocked, whether it's a, a big score or a big disappointment in a double game week. All right, players that were not disappointments this game week and are firmly on our watch list now. Mo Salah comes back with a great counterattack goal. He gets the clean sheet and three bonus points versus Everton in the Maryside Derby. So Bucks, Salah back on the menu for double game week 25. I don't think it's a long-term play, but I'll certainly want him. And they haven't gotten, I think, a single penalty this year either, so... It would be very timely to maybe pick up some solid points in double game week 25 and KDB is my route to him. Yeah, great call. I mean, he doesn't have many goals in the Premier League, but he has seven Champions League goals. So it's not like he's massively out of form. I just think Liverpool are now starting to get healthy. We see what they can be once once they get right. And I like that Klopp is finally playing some of the younger lads because we've seen Liverpool at their best when they play young, fresh legs. So I think with Jota coming back, Firmino coming back, Salah is going to be the safest route into Liverpool's double game week team. Yes, sir. All right, moving forward, let's talk about the resurgence of the attack from the Leicester Foxes. Iheanacho, 6.1 million. He gets 12 points, a goal, an assist, three bonus and his fifth return in the last two matches. He's playing absolutely fantastic link-up play for their attack with Barnes streaking down the left and Madison almost slotting into a second striker role at times. I'm glad to see Iheanacho being utilized. We wanted to free him for a while because Vardy has clearly lost his sea legs and is simply a backup at this point. So if Brendan Rodgers would just play him the full 90, I think there are a lot of good attacking returns coming for this Leicester team, but you can't count on Barrage to make the right decision. Can you? No, he's not an FPL fan. Just like some of the other top managers in the premier league. You mentioned him. James Madison's next on our list, 11 points in game week, 23 goal, one assist and two bonus and his second straight start with his second straight return. So I think Madison, we've said it many times in this podcast, he's the engine of the Leicester attack. And the fact that he's back and fully fit means that Leicester attackers can be back on the menu. And I just want to throw one in. He's not on our rundown, but Harvey Barnes, quietly, I think he has his eighth goal now of the season. He's absolutely smashing it. I didn't know this, but he has more goals than Mo Salah in the Premier League. Definitely did not expect to see that. Whoa, that's a that's an interesting tidbit. So in this one, uh, he also had a goal, I believe, chalked off um, from a play. So they could have actually had a double, had a brace in this one. So somebody else to watch cheaper at six point seven million. But I think Madison is the clear standout here. He can get goals out of nothing. And you love that from an FPL perspective. So if you can afford his price tag at eight point oh, I would look at him. They do have Manchester United away and then Arsenal at home in the next two so pretty tough and then after that Southampton Chelsea and Brentford so not a great run so one player from their team could be a good punt but I wouldn't double down at any time soon yeah I think Leicester are one for the upcoming second wild card I would not be racing free transfers keeping it moving a stupid ninian I hate this guy's name. It makes me feel stupid, but it's got the his game is stupid good. That's for sure. Right now, he <laughs> is on fire. 
4.6 million wing back for Brighton. And he gets another big haul and was very close to getting a potential 18 pointer. He ends up with an assist and any bonus here? No bonus. Yeah, a couple bonus as well because they they actually conceded. And this was one of the worst moments of the freaking weekend because Rob the Monster Sanchez just has no thumbs, no fingers, and just drops the ball right into the head of James Tompkins for Crystal Palace. They were otherwise dominant in that match, but they lose a clean sheet. I lose Dunk's clean sheet once again, which is like the third freaking time this season that Sanchez has cost me a clean sheet having been a dunk owner very infuriating but if you're a stupinian owner you're ahead of the curve because he will be super popular for double game week 27 and i would probably rate him as their second best asset across all of brighton like that chat let's go to our chelsea blues jow felix has been the one that's really impressed seven jow jow yeah he's jowing it right now he's uh he's felix and good on the Chelsea Blues, 7.5 million. Issue is he's a striker, and it's very hard to find any available forward spots in the FPL game, but he gets his first Chelsea goal and three bonus points. He also had the ball in the back of the net another time, and if you watch the Champions League, he hit the bar and had three big chances in that game as well. Truly class player and a special talent, but Chelsea are not scoring enough goals for me to even justify touching this guy with a 10 foot pole. I'll be happy to bet on him as an anytime goal scorer and watch him <laughs> hopefully get some three point performances for Chelsea in the standings. But uh, as an FPL asset, I think it's a little too soon. Yeah. Again, somebody that could be in your second wild card options coming up next. Let's just talk about two more players. Darwin. He is lively again, doesn't get a goal, but is, part of the key counterattack for the Liverpool side and he gets an assist. He is somebody again, could be a massive differential in double game week 25. I would not move on him this week or solid because they play Newcastle. And then lastly, I felt bad for Tark because uh, 4.2 million, he's got the double coming up in 25, but he almost gets another massive header goal. It hits the, the, the bar and then off to the races go Liverpool and they score on the counter. So he went really from like being on like a 15 pointer or at least having like a, a eight to 10 pointer to being negative one <laughs> in that match. That's the uh, the magic of Anfield, so to speak. The soccer gods playing a little role in that Merseyside derby. Unlucky for those who moved early on Tarkowski, but similar to Estupinian, Estupinian, a stupid neon, a stupido bucks. Uh, you're a step early and you have the top asset or one of the top assets from teams that are going to be doubling in 25. All right. We'll be taking our last break and we'll be coming back with a quick preview of the game with 24 matches and then what we're planning to do for transfers and captaincy shouts. We'll be right back. All right, the Blues boys are ready to preview the action in game week 24. Let's start with the best matches to target for FPL halls. Starting with Brighton traveling to Craven Cottage to play the no defense Fulham, 
that have remarkably kept a number of clean sheets. And Tim Ream is looking like a great FPL asset. So actually, Bucks, this one is at the Amex. So a ah. better opportunity for the attackers on the Brighton side. So if you have March or the likes of Matoma, you will start them, thankfully, in this match. I thought March played like dog shit in the last game, but he still lucks into a goal in that one and is somebody that continues to be on our radar for upcoming double game week 27. This match, I could see Brighton. That was gross. That was gross who had the goal. Oh, was it? I thought it was March. Well, anyway, March played like dog poop so i'm yeah, glad keep it uh, in who cares <laughs> i'm glad i'll be staying away from him but um yeah the the no no it wasn't it wasn't gross it was it was uh it was indeed march who marched into points there versus crystal palace so anyway uh, it's neither here nor there he sucks don't get him get matoma or get a stupid neon but 2-1 to brighton <laughs> that is my gesture for this game Oh, that was great. That was uh, behind the scenes of an excellent uh, big media podcast right there. Uh, I agree. I think 2-1 is a good shout. I'm just hoping it's Andreas and not Mitro that gets that goal. Next up, Crystal Palace at Brentford. Brentford have been one of the shocking teams of this season. They are just a really great team. And I think they're going to be in the Premier League for many years to come. And they're establishing their home field as a fortress. They really do not drop points at home. and I'm just very impressed with what the bees are up to this season. Yeah, you will gladly start Tony with confidence. Also, Ben Mee, a popular defender, picking up some steam. He has a number of header opportunities each game because of their set play prowess. So I would definitely start both of those with confidence. I think Brentford 2, Crystal Palace 0 for this one. I have no confidence in Palace at the moment. I think they're uh, enigma Zaha is still out of the lineup. I think Eze has been dropped. It's very confusing times under Vieira right now. And if I was a Palace fan um, supporting their team at Selhurst Park on the reg, I would be very disappointed, to be honest. I'm going to go even stronger into the honeypot. I think it's 0-3 to the Bees. Next up, Southampton travel to Stamford Bridge to play our Chelsea Blues. This oh, is the God. time that we finally score more than a single goal in a match. I think this one is three to zero Chelsea. We're finally going to have some of our attacking players dominate the likes of Southampton at home. God, I would love that. Two uh, zero, but I just hope Chelsea bring home the three points. I cannot deal with another heartbreaker like when we drop points away at Southampton earlier in the season. That was a gut punch. Last up, Man City at Nottingham Forest. Now, the city ground has been a hard place to play, and actually, Forest are one of the best teams since the turn of the calendar to 2023, but I think we both are in agreement that City are just going to be too much, and they are going to steamroll Forest. I think it's going to be 3-0. to So I think the larger conversation here, Bucks, should be focused on Holland and whether or not you will captain him because City will also play their Champions League match next week and only have a few days in between playing Leipzig and playing NFO. So you have about three days in between. So this is one, honestly, like if you're ever going to give rest to Holland, this would be a great game to do so and start Julian Alvarez up top instead. Just uh, putting that out there, Bucks. It could be tricky and we'll have to pay attention to what 
the pressers bring, but what are your thoughts there on a possible rest? Well, notably Holland got a rest for the second half of the Villa match. So I think he should be relatively fresh. He's still a youngin, and he's got those fresh legs. I don't expect he'll play the whole 90 by any stretch, but I think City now being with the title chase in their own hands, in their own control, I think they'll roll out a relatively strong lineup for both the Forest and the Bournemouth game. And Leipzig are not on the same level as Man City. So I expect they're going to get results in all three of these matches without really breaking a sweat. What about your boy, Timo? He could score on them in Champions League. Hey, uh, I love love me some Timo. I'm a Timo truther till I die, baby. All right. (laughs) All right. Pure watches are up next. The top four nut crunching time has really come into focus with Arsenal dropping points and being in the midst of a mini wobble and Man City capitalizing. So Arsenal travel to Aston Villa. I think this is a more even game based on what we've seen from Villa recently. They have not blanked. They have gotten at least one goal in the last four matches. So I think that bodes well for Villa attackers like Ollie Watkins. Fading. With that being said, with oh. that being said, they've conceded seven goals in their last two matches, three to City and four to Leicester. So if you have the attackers from Arsenal, you would hope that they maybe come back into their scoring form. I think, what is it, three consecutive matches that they've only scored one goal from an Arsenal perspective. So hopefully this is a get-right game for them and they can score at least two goals and make FPL managers proud once again. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about the one-goal streak. I think it's going to be 3-1 to Arsenal. Next is Leicester at Old Trafford to play Man United. We mentioned earlier in the podcast, both these teams are now actually in massive form. Leicester are scoring goals here, there, left, right, and center everywhere. And Man United uh, only dropped points against Arsenal and Leeds in their last 13 games. So they are on a massive heater and Ten Hag has the boys churning. So I think this is a really tough one to call. I think 2-1 to to United, but I don't know. I I could also see it just being an absolute goal fest, uh, like 4-3 or 3-2. Hard one to call, but I think United get it. Yeah, and it's an interesting position to be in for FPL owners of Luke Shaw having just seen him deliver a 12-pointer in a relatively attacking match. So in this one, yeah, Bucks, I mean, I think you got to start Luke Shaw again because he can get the odd assist versus this crumbly defense of Leicester. But I think this is 3-2 United or maybe even a 2-2 draw. I think there's going to be lots of goals in that one, and I will be taking the over if it comes to entertainment purposes. Love that. Okay, last up, Liverpool at Newcastle. This has the potential to be a defining match in Liverpool season. They're up to eighth place in the table on the back of their 3-0 win in the Merseyside Derby. And they need these type of games to break their way if they are going to have any chance of a top four finish. And this is a huge statement game, traveling to Newcastle. Newcastle been one of the... uh, Good storylines of the entire season, looking like a really well-managed senior player-laden team. They're great in defense, and Liverpool are also great in attack. So this is going to be kind of the immovable defense plays the unbreakable offense. Who do you got? 
This one is really interesting, Bucks, because I think looking at some of the defensive metrics for Newcastle, they've probably overperformed a bit, especially from a defensive FPL perspective. A lot of people have gone with the double up, maybe Pope and Trips or Botman and Trips or any combination with Trips. And that's really done well thus far. But I could see them really kind of coming back to normal a bit. And this is a time where you would want to possibly move off of the defenders and that double up because they play Newcastle, then they blank, and then they play City in 26. So, you know, this one I think will be a tight match. I could see uh, a draw here, 1-1. Uh, but I think that now is the time to just hold on to trips and have him be your only asset from Newcastle with this next three-game stretch. Yeah, I think this is actually 0-0, but a wildly entertaining 0-0 oh, zero, draw. Zero. How fun. For the, uh, for the soccer fanatics, like or the footy fanatics, like both of us. One quick thing regarding Trippier, a lot of the advanced model FPL sites, their number one move is to move Trippier before game week 24 to a different defender. So I just wanted to throw that out hmm. into the universe. I am not bold enough to break up with one of my season keepers in Kieran Trippier, so close to our Valentine's Day celebrations, which were great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> but- I think he is a season keeper. He has been extraordinary, and he got points in the Manchester City match earlier in the season. I don't see there's a game where he's really an auto bench, so I would probably start him this game, but I do have Sven Botman. He's going to be moving to the bench and taking a comfortable seat probably in that second bench spot on my squad. Yeah, nothing but LOL for Trippier. Lots of love for our guy. He'll be in our sides, and we'll hold him through the blank game week 25 as well. All right, let's go to our transfer targets and our guidance about captaincy and what to plan for game week 24. Brian, guidance for captaincy. No, no, no. Captaincy shouts. Uh, sorry, I was being I was being a, a practical here, uh, but I know that's not this is not the time for it. This is the time for bold swings for some big, big moves from your two hosts, Brian. What big move are you making for game week 24? All right. So just to reiterate, transfer strategy and the meta in the FPL community is to roll your transfer this week and then have two transfers going into game week 25, which is that rare blank, but also a double. Very rare. I don't think I've seen that too often. So for this upcoming double game week 25, you can easily make three transfers for a minus four and then have nine or 10 players. And that'll be plenty. Save your free hit, manage your bench, and you'll be just fine going into that game week. With that being said, for me, I'm really up in the air about captaincy. Uh, I'll be rolling my transfer this week like a good boy, but captaincy, I'm kind of leaning towards Marcus Rashford because I think Holland is going to be on limited minutes versus Forrest have to give it some more thought but that is something that i'm actively trying to figure out and rashford at home versus a, an attacking side in leicester who are not going to back down there'll be a lot of counter-attacking opportunities i could see bruno playing some long balls over the top to feed of sprinting rashford and getting in the goals so i really do potentially like that shout and if i was bold enough last week i know that you were re reading it in the rundown i was 50 50 between holland and going for Saka as my captain and sitting at, you know, 575k, I got to start making some bolder moves. And so I will be strongly evaluating some other captain alternatives. All right, Bucks, what are you thinking for transfers and captaincy? 
So I'm on exact funds. So I need this banked free transfer more than most game weeks. So I'm going to roll the transfer. I feel like I'm a little ahead of the curve. I have KDB and Mares, who I'm hoping both continue to get starts for City. I wouldn't be shocked if Alvarez gets the start, but I do expect that Holland will make a cameo performance if needed. So I think my captain, I thought I was going to be different from you uh, and say Rashford, but now that you said Rashford, I don't know. I I kind of feel <laughs> like maybe Mares could be my guy. So uh, it's Ooh. between Mares and Rashford for the captaincy armband in 24. I think I'm put off Holland because I do expect that he is going to get a rest so that he's ready to attack the back half of this title challenge. Yeah, a lot to learn and pay attention to in the pressers and see how they project for both Champions League and their Premier League matches. All right, Bucks, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me back on the pod. Thanks for keeping my slot available. I know FPL Black Wolf, a.k.a. Dan, did a great job and he wanted to sit in for me, but maybe we'll have a three-way next time and we can still find some love uh, for Black Wolf there. Well, uh, this got very, uh, very... (laughs) This got very NSFW uh, right at the end here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to our podcast. Follow us on social media at FPL Blues Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We love interacting with the community, and we'd be happy to answer your transfer questions, captaincy calls, and rate your lineup as we approach the first wild card. And for a tease for our next episode, we will be starting to dive into the optimal chip strategy as we get into the last half of the season. Thanks, Brian. Do your homework and keep tuning in to the FPL Blues podcast. See you later. Let's go. Let's go.